It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Lighthouse Faith Podcast, Moving Forward in Truth and Love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. You know, one of life's greatest challenges is being able to see God in the hard times, wondering if he's even there or even cares. But there's one book in the Bible that blares God's presence while never even mentioning him in the story. In fact, the author's time, it seems almost to go out of his way or her way to not name God or the Lord or Yahweh, and yet it is a book founded on what one pastor calls the silent sovereignty of God. It's the book of Esther in the Old Testament, and one of just out of two books that I think out of 66 books that never mentions God. But it's Esther's story that takes us on a narrative where we see things that look like coincidences in the short run but then are revealed as part of God's providence, divine providence, of working all things ultimately for his glory. And if you've never read the book of Esther or understood its power, then you must, 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 must read Pastor Max Lucado's book, You Were Made for This Moment, Courage for Today and Hope for Tomorrow. And of course, that tagline is, is one of the great hymns of the Christian church, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And one of the great pastors and shepherds of the church today is Max Lucado, and he joins me now. Welcome, Pastor Max. I think you should have written this book. <laughs> Everything you just said. Uh, you're I so mean, I'm serious. I'm serious. Everything you just said, uh, I just thought, I need to be taking notes on this <laughs> introduction. <laughs> you're, you actually are so complimentary, and, and I know that because I read the acknowledgement section of your book, and it talks about you give so much credence to other people uh, helping you form this book, and, but so much of it is so you. Um, and it's just amazing how you have this wonderful way of telling a story. It really is amazing. Well, well you're very kind, and you are a modern-day Esther. Oh. I mean, you're a, you're a voice of uh, of uh, stability and strength in a world gone wacko. Uh, <laughs> you you have uh, you know the story of Esther well, uh, and you know that she was in a world that was just chaos. Uh, everything that's uh, a characteristic of our day uh, was a characteristic of her day. Maybe even more amplified misogyny times a hundred. Yeah. Uh, she had, uh, uh, you, you know, just outnumbered, uh, by people. Uh, she kept her faith, uh, uh, quiet initially, but then rose and used her faith to bless people all over the world. And, and so maybe, maybe we should start, uh, nicknaming you Hadassah, <laughs> <laughs> which you, is her Hebrew name. By and the you way. know what's interesting is that, you know, uh, when you ask modern people about the story of Esther, she does not yeah. get glowing colors. I mean, she is not heralded by most groups today, like certainly not women's groups. I wonder why that is. Yeah, I wonder why that is. <laughs> I mean, she she is a, if, if seriously, if there was a, uh, a, a Jewish, uh, corollary to the to mount rushmore yeah i think her face deserves to be on it she 
she, uh, in, in cooperation with her uncle Mordecai, yeah. but mainly she delivered the Jewish people from, from the Holocaust. And you know what, and this is what's interesting, you know, like, cause I have, uh, kind of heard a sermon on this and talked about this and I'd never thought about this before is that she basically got, she, she actually bowed down to the whims of men in the beginning. That's how she got where she was. Yeah. She she yeah. violated Jewish law, even Certainly. in certain forgotten about her Jewish faith. No but doubt. The, no but doubt. the one who was actually heralded by today's standards is Vashti because she refused mm-hmm. the, the and, king. And, and, and rightly so. Rightly so. Good for you, Vashti. Right. I mean, right. Her, her husband... It, it, by the way, in case any of our listeners, your listeners today don't don't know it, the quick context. I guess we should explain BC the story of, of Esther. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're yeah, talking we about the details. In, it's like what we, we dove in, assuming everybody knows. It's yeah. Give us a synopsis BC, of this story. Uh, yeah, fifth century BC Persia. There's nothing uh, in our world today like the Persian Empire. Uh, it was twice the geographical size of the United States. It was half the population of the world. And uh, the king was a, uh, a, a man by the name of, of, of Xerxes, uh, it, at least that's his Persian name. Ahasuerus was his Hebrew name. I like to, I like to say Xerxes because it's cool having yeah. two X's. Yeah. It just yeah. sounds it's fun to say. <laughs> and uh, he was more of a drinker than a thinker, and uh, he partied <laughs> all the time. And he had a right-hand man by the name of Haman that rhymes with hangman because he was all about murder. He was a fifth century version of Adolf Hitler. He, yeah. he was just, he, yeah. he was, he was arrogant. He was narcissistic and he was anti-Semitic. And so those are the two bad guys. And then the two great people, the two heroes of the story, but you so rightly pointed out that initially, uh, we're, we're scratching our heads at what they're doing because they keep their Jewish identity a secret. It does seem like they've just allowed themselves to blend into the Persian culture. Yeah. They're three generations removed from uh, the Jewish exile. And a man by the name of Mordecai has worked his way up into the throne room. Uh, he's one of the king's uh, people. He's in the inner circle. And then he has this knock dead beauty, drop dead beauty of a niece by the name of Hadassah or Esther. And uh, she eventually replaces Vashti. As we pointed out, Vashti refuses to dance in front of uh, the king's drunk buddies, and so she gets booted out. And rightly, how so terrible she, of her! She just she wouldn't yeah, come and dance in front of her yeah. husband's drunk buddies yeah. and wear her crown. And it was a terrible, terrible setting. Yeah, you know. So that's that's the setting. That's the story. And uh, so Vash, so so. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Xerxes and then Esther. Uh, Xerxes has his new wife, Esther, uh, but she keeps her ancestry a secret. No one knows she's Jewish. And then when the Holocaust is declared, that's the trigger point. That's the inflection point. And the story just takes off. It's just a it's just a page turner. It's a page turner. It really is. And it's one of the shortest books in the Bible. But also, it's one that. There have been several movies made of this of the story of Esther. You know, yeah, people yeah. Ma- bringing certain it, it, things out, and it is, it is, and and it, and it's a great story, like you say, in only nine chapters. You can read it over your lunch break. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it, it reads like a drama, doesn't it? It it reads like a stage uh, drama. 
It yeah, does. and the thing about it is, this is what's what interesting. Well, this is why it's so important to read the Book of Esther. This is what I got out of it. And when I talk about you know this sermon of the silent sovereignty of God and the fact that God's not even mentioned. Um, That's a great phrase, silent sovereignty of God. And I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't make it up. I, I was somebody else's, somebody else's <laughs> sermon title, so I can't, I can't take credit for that one. But the idea that we start looking at all the little things that happen in your life. All the innocuous mm-hmm. things that you think mean nothing. And yet, somehow, all of that played into God's ultimate plan to bring you where you are today. Um, these, This is why this story is so amazing. I mean, you go through the list of like, okay, so Vashti turned him down. And that got him out under the collar. So what am I going to do? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, his buddies say, well, you know, have a beauty contest and pick another one, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And... First of all, he got drunk. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the first start. Okay, so he got drunk. Then he made Vashti come. She refused, mm-hmm. had the beauty pageant, um, and Esther's one of the beauty queens in there. Um, yep. Mordecai yep. happens to overhear mm-hmm. a plot to assassinate King Xerxes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they hang the guys and it's fine. And then right at a crucial moment of the story, the king reads his chronicles and realized he never thanked Mordecai. I, think, mm-hmm. I mean, everything mm-hmm. happened so like, oh my gosh, you know, you couldn't you couldn't write this story today. I mean, you it's like a Hollywood script. It, it is so full of irony. It is so full of uh, plot twists. And 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 you're right. Haman, the bad guy, demands that everybody uh, bow down to him. And Mordecai, knowing that this is an anti-Semitic leader, just can't, even though he's kept his ancestry a secret all this time, uh, he just cannot, he refuses to bow. And he he literally rises to the occasion. And so that's when the secret is out. And uh, he begins to uh, repent, to wear sackcloth and ashes, walk up and down the streets of Susa, wailing, Esther sends word to her uncle, get your act together, get dressed. We got a good thing going here. And he says, don't you even know we're about to be killed? And then there's that great line, relief and rescue will come. But don't you know that you that you have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? And that, that's that, that moment of high drama. And that's when uh, she has to make a decision. Because uh, uh, Uncle Mordecai wants her to go and plead the case of the Jews in front of her husband. But the place was so misogynistic and so authoritarian that she couldn't even appear before her husband uh, without his invitation. And he, if he, she caught him in a cranky mood, he could cut off her head. Right. He could have but actually that, killed her at that moment if she have. comes to him and he has not summoned her. And he's like, yeah. I didn't want to see you today. Uh, woman. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, not, it's not your turn yet. Um, mm-hmm. This is important. Be, this is in the Old Testament. Um, why is it important, though, for Christians to understand the book of Esther? Well, I, I love your phrase there, uh, silent sovereignty. I, I called it quiet providence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I think in, in these days, Lauren, in which we're all just kind of beat up and worn out, we're wounded, we're worried, uh, we're, we're anxious about just everything, you know, presidents, politics, pandemics. It's just everything is weighing us down. Uh, we need to know, we need a story 
that says just because God doesn't shout, that doesn't mean God's not working. Yeah. In fact, in fact, God's God's common work is through a whisper. It's through the small things of life. And we can trust, we can trust that uh, every detail of our lives, even though we don't know the big picture, every detail of our life is going to ultimately work for something good. You know, I want to I want to get to some of the examples you tell in the book because you really bring it home to what's happening today. But I want to take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast before we get to some of those examples. We'll be right back. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm back at Lighthouse Faith with uh, Pastor Max Locato and his wonderful book, You Were Made for This Moment. And this is about the book of Esther. And the book of Esther takes place in, um, I think, the, what, the 5th century B.C.? Yeah, yes, the, yes. I always get my numbers mixed up as 5th. I do, fourth too. Year. I do, too. Um, but how it applies to today's stories, you were talking about in terms of God works in the whispers. He works in the small moments, um, you know, and— this is how we can understand it in our terms. But you have some examples in your book about how Esther's story applies to us today. And what are some of your favorite examples? Well, I, I think there are many takeaway messages. Uh, resistance matters, I think, is a, is a powerful message that comes out of Esther. Uh, when you have, a, I don't know, a Martin Luther King who uh, under the threat of death day by day uh, still has the courage, even though he acknowledged that he lived in fear uh, to lead a movement, a resistance movement uh, that would eventually uh, begin at least sow the seeds of change that we're still uh, learning from today. Because sometimes we wonder uh, if, if, if I'm Mordecai, and here comes Haman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why not bow before him? Why not bow before him? Uh, yet his courage to stand was infectious, and his courage uh, infected Esther with courage. And then she became the person who was the great hero. Uh, I, th I think we need to know that in this, this day and age. Uh, does it make a difference? For example, it, well, does it make a difference if I refuse to uh, uh, log into Internet pornography? Uh, does it mm -hmm. make a difference if I choose to take a stand for somebody that I think is being mistreated? Does it make a difference if I choose to pray and trust rather than worry and despair? Just these daily decisions that I make. Uh, I think Esther is one of those books in the Bible that tells us you do the right thing Always choose the right thing, and good things may not happen immediately. They didn't in the book of Esther. Right. But right. eventually and ultimately, uh, God took that obedience and he, and he turned it into something good. You know, one of the things that people look at today and they explore the idea of free will and the sovereignty mm -hmm. of God, 
and that God will make everything work together for good for those who love God, accord, called according to his purpose, Romans 8.28. Um, but that for us, it's hard to hold those two things together, that we have this free will, and then we have the sovereignty of God that works everything to his glory. And one of the things that um, you talk about, um, that, that events are never random. You know, there is mm-hmm. always a purpose. And yeah. that's when the trusting in God really becomes the ultimate form of foundation, ultimate foundation for your life. That mm-hmm. knowing that God can hold these two things together. Yes, we have free will. Yes, we have the ability to, you know, make decisions, but then God holds the, the ultimate power and everything's gonna work out to his glory. And this is what the, this is what Mordecai says. You know, if you refuse you know, God's going to do something. Great point. Great you know? point. I'm so glad you brought that out because I think we overlook that. He makes one of the great statements in the Bible, and he's not a theologian. I mean, right, he, right. he's not presented as a, you know, as the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's, he's, he's this, uh, I don't know, public servant, politician. But he says, if you don't speak up, deliverance will come. But I don't know what's going to happen to you and your father's family. I take that to mean your reputation, yeah. you know, your legacy is going to be uh, lost. You, you'll be remembered as the one who didn't speak up. But he says the relief and deliverance will come. I think one of the I, I think if you had to summarize the book of Esther, it would be something like um, relief will come. Will you be a part of it? Yeah. Or God or God will be victorious. Will you be on his team? We can be certain that even though we're in the middle of these chaotic days right now, we can believe by faith that some that God is still on the throne, and we can be a part of the solution, uh, just in our day to day decisions to try to be obedient to Him. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, one of the, the well, the bad guy is Haman, of course. Uh, yeah, Xerxes yeah. is a um, is a yeah, bad guy by yeah. default. You know? Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Xerxes is kind of presented as a, I don't know, he's, he's not presented in Esther. Now, historically, he gets some credit, but in the book of Esther, he's just kind of a chubby drinker. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just not looking good. But Haman's, <laughs> Haman's the guy. brains behind the, 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 the evil um, that's happening mm-hmm. here. But you bring out that Haman is not just, you know, in the 5th century, I mean, B.C., Haman's are today. What are, what are Haman's today? Is it a Persian, a political position, a cultural, moral position? What are the Haman's today that people have to stand up to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Haman's of, of any generation are those people who, who believe that the world exists to serve them mm. rather than they exist to serve the world. And, and we have those, you know, I think the word for that is narcissism. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they, they sincerely believe that the world is, you know, built around them. And th- those are hard people. Th- those people, I know you've run into them in your life. I've run them into them in mine. And I'm sad to say we run into them in the church. Yeah. Uh, but there are people who, who just honestly think that everything uh, rotates and, and revolves around them. Uh, I think Haman was was one of those people. Yeah. There's another thing, though, that, that, that is in this story that I think modern-day people kind of scratch their heads about, and it's very crucial to understanding why what happens at the end. 
it's very crucial, this idea of irrevocable law. Mm. That, you know, why couldn't Xerxes just Mm -hmm. scratch it out of the books that the Jews would be massacred? That, Mm -hmm. you know, they could, you know, you know, basically kill the Mm -hmm. Jews. Why couldn't he just strike that down? And there is this idea, and this is where I think God's sort of sovereign understanding comes into play. God makes irrevocable laws that cannot be broken. Uh, and we see this theme a lot in other in like modern day. We see it in the Lord of the Rings. We see it in Wagner's mm. Ring Cycle. Something that cannot be broken. Um, but so it's this. So explain this idea that happens at the end, where Xerxes is basically bound by his own law. Yeah. Well, well, you're so perceptive, Lauren. I don't think anybody – I've done a dozen interviews on this book, and you're asking questions nobody else is bringing up. But that's a great observation uh, because in our Western mind, we think, okay, just go undo it. Yeah. Just go undo this law because uh, early in the book, as, as Haman convinces uh, the king to kill all, all of the Jews, they, they cast the dice – they land on a certain date, and uh, it's really nine months henceforth that they're going to destroy all the Jews. Well, then uh, ultimately Haman dies on the very gallows that were constructed. He constructed to kill uh, Mordecai, which is another twist of irony. And uh, and so then, but this decree has still it's been set in motion. It's the law of the Medes and Persians. And here's the reason that the king couldn't just say, okay, I've changed my mind. And that is because the king was perceived and wanted to be perceived as divine. Right. He, he, he was perceived and he wanted to be perceived as divine. So for him to say, hey, I've changed my mind. Well, you know, a, a deity doesn't do that. Right. A deity right. doesn't do that. And so that's why that, uh, that, that, that decree could could simply not be undone. It could not be undone. And they understood the idea of divinity better than we do today. That's what's really key here. good point. Yeah, it was not a secular society. That's a great point. Yeah. Great point. I mean, mean, I was thinking about that whole idea because, you know, just the idea, because that's always been something that really bothered me. Why do you, why can't you just change this law? And, but you explained it so well in the book and talk about talking about irrevocable law and think about it. Do you revoke gravity? I mean, mm. no, you're not going to. Good point. You're not That's going to. But, but, but you make another, but there's another law that makes mm-hmm. you work with gravity. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's called whatever, the, the law of lift or something like that. And we decide we have airplanes. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. ex- that's kind of what was at play here. I, I think end. that's a great point. And, they, and, and that law, that, uh, that blessing that uh, the king gave to the Jews to defend themselves uh, resulted in the deliverance of, of the Jewish people uh, because they were enabled, they were empowered with the right to take up arms and protect themselves against the Persian, uh, Persian people who were going to destroy them. When you were writing this book, did you ever think about the little things that happened in your life along the way that brought you to become a pastor? Do you think about those things? I, I did. I did. In, in fact, can, can I even give one more recent? And then there were things that led up to me being a pastor. But but, but right now, as you and I are talking, I'm mm-hmm. kind of dozy. I'm kind of <laughs> sleepy. And here's the reason why. I got stuck at Love Field Airport in Dallas last night because of <laughs> oh. a storm. Oh. I was trying to get home and uh, I got stuck. There was a storm. 
And so here I am out touring and talking and, you know, telling people about the book of Esther, which is, as you said, it's a story of silent sovereignty. So I'm supposed to be home by nine. Well, 10 p.m., I'm still sitting in Love Field. And I I started thinking, now, Locato, apply that book to this moment. Apply that book to this moment. And uh, I got up and I walked down the, uh, you know, I still had another hour or so. I went down the concourse. I found a place to get a bite to eat. And this most delightful attendant came. And Mm -hmm. she was just, she was just terrific. And I, and and so after, when we settled up, I said, you know, you, you have just lifted my night. I mean, I was really tired, but you've lifted my night. And Lauren, she teared up and she, and she said, I have to drive an hour home every night. Oh my goodness. And I know storms are coming and I'm worried about it. And what you said, bless me. And I needed to hear that. So what if, okay, this is just, I I don't, this, I'm not, this is out of my pay grade. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) But what if, what if the Lord said, Locato, I know you want to get a good night's sleep, but that, that dear daughter of mine who works late hours at Love Field every night for much less money than you make, Locato, she's working hard. I'm going to put you there because she needs a kind word. So I, I put a little Esther story on myself mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. I don't know, but you know what it did? It, it allowed me to accept a misfortune, uh, in a more positive light, right? Because I, I, I trusted the silent sovereignty of God. I trusted that he's behind this some way. And rather than be cranky, maybe there's something I can do to, to, to put it to good use. Does that make sense? It at makes all? actually perfect sense. I mean, you can get, you can understand the story of Esther on those smaller scale things that happen to you in life. But then, you know, the larger scale things, you know, it, it, the twists and turns in your own life. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, if I hadn't lost the pageant instead of, you know, um, <laughs> if if I hadn't broken up with that person, if I uh, had, yeah. it, the things that we thought were going to be the death of us turned out mm. to be new life for us. New life, great word. What was going to be death becomes deliverance. Yeah, that and that—that's the theme of Esther. I think we've said that's the theme of Esther four times. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but but that is too. In fact, chapter nine uh, begins with a, a phrase that in in the Hebrew. If I, I don't read, I mean, I can't speak Hebrew, but I study it, and that phrase it can it can literally be translated turnaround. It was a turnaround. The book of Esther was a turnaround. And what was intended to be a day of death became a day of deliverance. And that's why the Jews celebrate the Feast of Purim to this very day. Yeah. Okay. You, you, at the end of the book, you, you start using the word pet. Okay. I had it pronounced peripeti, peripeti. Oh, peripety. Peripety. Okay, peripety. Oh, look at you. Again, <laughs> you're just knocking it out of the park. Peripety. I'm, I'm like, okay, my, my, journalism, we get trained to use yeah. sort of right in a sixth grade level. So peripety was not one of those words in my in my lexicon, like right up close. Not it's either. like, got to look that one up. Is that a word or is he just making that up? Because, you know, Southern uh, people just make stuff up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I 
found it in a thesaurus. I can't say that I had ever found it either. <laughs> okay, good. And I was so proud of that word <laughs> because my editor, whom I've had for 30 years now, uh, she wrote in the little side notes, she said, okay, you, you got me. I've never heard that word. And she, so, so I'm a not alone. It is, is that reversal of events. Mm -hmm. It's a divine peripety. We think, we think we're going to end up here, uh, you know, in the beauty pageant. And then the, then we end up over here, uh, in, 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 in the field of journalism, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a redirection. It's a redirection. And, uh, it's a surprise in, in, if one, in, in the case of Esther, it was a very, very pleasant surprise. Uh, God's full of peripeties. He really yeah. is. I, I, one of the reasons that the story of Esther is so powerful is because uh, it tells us that God doesn't have to be loud to be strong. Uh, he can be working behind the scenes, create moments that change us forever. And it's not like he divided the Red Sea or raised Lazarus from the dead. He just yeah. was working behind it. And we look back in our lives and say, oh, that must have been God doing that. Yeah. And that's reassuring. You know, it's so, you're so true. I love that you, I love when you talk about that. Um, I'm going to, I wrote it down because I think it, I actually texted it to my husband because I thought it was just so, such a powerful thing to say. Um, and of course, I put it on my sheet and now I can't find it. Um, I'm going to find it though because I think it's, uh, it's really a powerful thing. There it is. Wait a second. I circled in the book. And you say, meditate less on the mess and more on the master, less on the problems and more on, the, on his power. I think that just this describes it perfectly. I mean, this idea that once you're in the stuff that you don't like, that you just want to get out of, you don't understand why God is allowing you to go through this. And I'm saying this now because I'm in a good place, but you know, when, when I'm in a bad place, I may, I may have to get preached to. But this idea that, you know, there's a purpose behind it. And I keep saying that, but then you got to remember it when the things come, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and you're right. You know, when we're, when we're in the middle of that, um, you know, we, we, we sometimes don't want somebody to say, now there's a purpose for this. <laughs> and, and maybe those of us who are in a good place, we got to be careful and not say that because sometimes it comes across a bit trite. Right. But uh, if, if we down in our heart, can believe that there's a there's a purpose for this struggle and that God will use this. Uh, it really does make the pain a little more palatable. Yeah, a little more acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Any last words for um, listeners right now? A prayer for people who may be going through some hard times, um, especially after this year. Um, mm -hmm. That is, yeah. uh, it's not the year yeah. that we envisioned, but yeah. uh, it's a year that we had to go through. It certainly is. And I think that's that'd be a perfect place for us to land. And that is uh, God has us here for a reason. Uh, he must think that this generation of people uh, can has what it takes or he'll give us what it takes to face all of these challenges. Uh, I began writing this book in the spring of uh, 2019. And we all know what happened in the spring of 2019. We all know what happened in June of 2019 with the racial unrest. Yeah. We all remember the tension of the fall of 2019. Oh, 2020. 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sorry. I was jumping. I, I got my calendar off in my head. It's okay. 2020. Uh, we, we, yeah. It's, 2020 I was up is all the. Night. I got an excuse. I, you're an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> 2020 is the year that we'd all like to forget, but 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 we is. can't because 2020 yeah. will be the year where so many seeds were planted. Mm. Mm. You know, in the Absolutely. dark, dank dirt of life, mm. a seed was yeah. planted in that year that will come to bring forth incredible bounty in the years mm. to come. I, I, I wrapped up this book with one of my favorite, forever favorite stories. It's a story of a journalist, journalist uh, Ben Patterson, and he mm-hmm. was in World War II in London, had just been sent to London, uh, and he, was, he arrived the day before one of Hitler's uh, bombing raids, yeah. and he went to the hotel, and the city just caught on fire. It was bombs everywhere. And he covered his head, he said, and I, I pleaded with the Lord to let me die. I couldn't bear it. When he woke up the next morning, it was a Sunday, and he heard the sound of hymns. I know you love hymns. And mm. there was a sound of a hymn that came floating through the air through his hotel room. And he looked down, and there was a gathering of churchgoers standing in what had been a church building. But the roof was caved in, the walls were caved in. And yet they were standing in a circle and they, they were singing. They were singing the hymns that had been selected for that day. And he gave his heart to God that day. Wow. <laughs> he went from, from, from an atheist to a believer because he said, if there are people like that still on the planet, then I want to believe too. And I think there are people like that today. I do. And I think you're one of them. I think that the, many of your listeners are. And I say, let's just keep singing. Let's keep singing. We never know who's listening. Uh, And let's keep trusting. And the book is called You Were Made for This Moment. Pastor Max Licato, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. All the very best to you, my friend. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. Um, I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.